You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled up aces over king. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards. Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player Ashley Adams. Okay, you have some skill. Hi, listeners. It's Ashley Adams from House of Cards. We've got a great show tonight. We've got Barry Carter, who's an expert on all things poker in Ireland and the U.K. And then we're going to have an in-depth discussion about legalizing poker and poker in casinos in Massachusetts with Middleborough selectman Adam Bond. I'm looking forward to it. We'll end the show with the Phantom EFX mailbag. And if there's time, I'll give you a pointer or two on stud. We'll be back after a commercial break. Hey there, folks. Aaron Sherman here, CEO of Phantom EFX. We make the number one slot and casino games for your PC. Number one. Now, how great would it be to hit the tables or slots this weekend in Las Vegas? Can't afford it? Or even if you can, you got to try our games. Now, I know you may be thinking, ooh, a slot game or ooh, a casino game. How real can it be? But you have no idea how real the experience is until you play these games. Whether you want slots, cards, or casino games, we've got it all. And trust me, it's as real as it gets. That's why we're number one, baby. You just have to check out our new games led by Real Deal Slots Blackbeard's Revenge. I'm telling you guys, this game is the ultimate slot experience. It's already number one in its category and it's been made by guys that love slot machines. We also have our brand new casino and card game titles. You can check them out in stores or at PhantomEFX.com. You never have to wager anything on a Phantom EFX game. you got to check out all these great games and all of our other great products at PhantomEFX.com. Ooh, another jackpot. i got another jackpot. Woohoo! People are making a habit of coming to Bad Abbots in downtown Quincy, home of good food, a good pint, and all your favorite sports on live TV, like soccer from the Premier League and Glasgow Celtic, Irish curling, football, and international rugby. Enjoy breakfast, lunch, or dinner in our restaurant or bar. Bad Abbots has live music Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with lots of parking. For good food or the best pint around, it's Bad Abbots at 1546 Hancock Street in Quincy, on the web at badabbots.com. Get in the habit at Bad Abbots. Having trouble deciding where to go for great food? Looking for a place to go to catch the game? Enjoy some live entertainment or just for a night out with friends or someone special? Head on over to the Jury Room. Featured on the Phantom Gourmet, the Jury Room's large menu offers customers a wide variety of food from pizzas and wings to entrees like New York steak and blackened salmon. The bar features large flat-screen televisions, live entertainment nightly, and the best selection of beer and scotch on the South Shore. The Jury Room Bar and Grill, located at 39 Cottage Avenue in Quincy Center, across the street from the Quincy Courthouse, is open Monday through Saturday from 11.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. for lunch and dinner. Go to thejuryroom.us or call 617-328-7234 for more information. Mention this ad and receive 50% off any appetizer. The Jury Room, Quincy's hottest restaurant and bar. Hey, you serious about poker? Then winning 7-Card Stud by Ashley Adams is a must-have for stud players of all levels. In winning 7-Card Stud, the World Series of Poker Veteran takes you through a series of lessons and strategies designed to make you a better player in all phases of your game. The techniques of betting, what cards to play, how to read the other players, the art of bluffing. You'll learn to master them all. Winning 7-Card Stud by professional poker player Ashley Adams. Available at Amazon.com. This is House of Cards Radio with Ashley Adams. Card player, gambler, scum, you'd like it. Welcome back, listeners. It's Ashley Adams, House of Cards, and we are joined right now by Barry Carter, who speaks to us from his living room in Sheffield, UK. Barry, are you there? I am, yes. How are you? I am well, and I trust you are well as well. Yep, yep. All good. Very good. Uh, We'll get right to it. Uh, Barry is joining us because he has a perspective that I don't have. He knows the British, the Irish poker scene, and I'm hoping, Barry, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself 
and what your perspective comes from, how you are in a position to know stuff about the UK poker scene, and then we can talk about some specifics. Sure, sure. Um, well, I've been, I've been quite privileged over the last uh, three, or four, three or four years. I've, um, I got into poker at the same time that I got into writing about poker. Um, I kind of uh, I've been playing and writing as a job for two or three, about two years now. And um, the poker kind of plays itself, but the writing has sort of seen me travel up and down the UK, Ireland, and then uh, places like Australia and Europe and uh, the US as well. But it's basically meant that I've been able to play the game, but also comment on the game for about two or three years now. And where do you comment on it? Sorry? Oh, uh, I, um, I, guess, I guess the ones you, you guys would know would be uh, I write for Poker Pro magazine, and I write for Poker News, the website. Okay, so we both write for Poker News. Did you know oh, I, I write for PokerNews.com? That's right. Oh, excellent. So do I. <laughs> I have a, a weekly column on Poker Rooms. Uh, these are the brick-and-mortar Poker Rooms. What do you write about? The British poker scene? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm the head writer for the, um, the U.K. version of the uh, Poker News. So obviously, we have a sort of little niche. Yeah, the uh, one, that's the nice thing about news, But I've just started writing for the, the main website as well. Oh, terrific. Well, uh, our words will cross, I'm sure. I used I'm to sure write a stud column until I pretty much wrote everything there is to write that uh, the editors thought was interesting. I wrote something like 190 different columns on stud, and then they said, you know, stick to the poker room reviews. But yeah. t- tell us, here's something I'd like to know. I travel a fair bit, as at least until the recent economic uh, collapse uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people in this country did, and occasionally my travels take me to... London, and they may take me to Ireland. My wife has been there. She's always eager to have me go with her. If I were to fly into, let's say, Shannon, what would I need to do to find a game? Are there regular casinos? Are there underground games? What would I do if I wanted to play poker in Ireland? In Ireland, um, you, you wouldn't have to go very far. There's, um, there's usually a card club in any remotely decent-sized city there. Really? And, um, they uh, they're quite fortunate. They have probably the most relaxed rules in uh, in all of Europe and probably the entire world with regards to licensing games and uh, things like that. So you often get them in uh, community centres or in bars or in casinos. But uh, wherever there's kind of a reasonable amount of people, there will be a card club that's pretty well advertised. Um, you know, it's not particularly uh, hush hush speakeasy, so to, so to speak. It's uh, you know, it's uh, it's very popular over there, and it's completely freely regulated at the moment. Well, that's terrific. And what is generally spread? Is it all No Limit Hold'em now, or do they have other games that are spread? Um, well, no, no Limit Hold'em, obviously, it's taken over the world in the last few years, so that's uh, there quite a lot. I think I think in Ireland in particular, they're, they're quite known for incredibly deep-stacked No, no Limit Hold'em games. But uh, Pot Limit Omaha is almost as popular over there as well. And I'd really? Say it's, it's the two big bet games that sort of take 95 99% of the, the tables up in Ireland and Eng- England. Oh, well, that I, I'm going to get to England in a second, but let's just stick to Ireland just so I can be thorough. Um, give me some idea of the stake of the game, the buy-ins, the minimums, the maximums, the blind structure. I realize we're talking a different currency, but as best you can for our American listeners, although we do have listeners around the world, Tell us what kind of stakes, what kind of a bankroll people need to sit down in your neighborhood poker room in Ireland. It, it's, um, it's, it's something that's very new, unique about Ireland. Um, whether you're kind of a low-stakes player or a high-stakes player, you can effectively sit in the same game. The first time I played cash games in Ireland, I, uh, I played in a, a, two, a, two, um, a one-two game, a one-two, a one-two euro game, so I, I sat down with... 200 euros, thinking 100 big blinds would be the standard, but there were people there with, uh, you know, 50 euros, there were some people there with 2,000 euros, you know, there were some people with like like 500 big blind or 1,000 big blind starting stacks, and they all sit and play in the same game, whether somebody's just, um, you know, a, a recreational player and somebody's a high-stakes player, they, they all sit in the same games, it's it's unusual. I've never seen anything like it anywhere else in the world. So the blind structure is very small, but the betting, I mean, let me put it this way. If I saw a table of people with 5,000 euros in front of them, I would self-select out of that game because I'd feel my stack of 100 euros would be uh, 
crushed and that I wouldn't be able to maneuver around very much. That's right, yeah, that's the, that's the experience I had when I first started playing cash games over there. It was, um, I didn't realize it, but I was actually playing a very short stack, and I actually thought I was playing a very deep stack at the time. <laughs> so it's a, it's a small blind structure, but there's really effectively no minimum and no maximum. Is that what I'm hearing? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm actually going over there myself at the start of next month for uh, a tournament that they've got scheduled called the European Deep Stack Championships. Mm-hmm. And that starts with a, a 50,000 starting stack and a 2550 starting level. So there's like everyone begins with a 1,000 big blinds, which I understand to be one of the, the deepest structures ever seen in the world. What's the buy-in for this? It's uh, 1,500 euros. So, oh, not too bad. Where is it? $2,000 US. Where is it going to be? That's in Dublin. I see. All right. Well, so um, is, you said Pot Limit Omaha. I presume that's Pot Limit Omaha High, not the eight or yeah. better variant yeah, just, that we play high, here. Normally. And it's No Limit Hold'em. Other than that, do, you, do they ever have any other games? Are there places where, well, they do bring out the old Limit Stud somewhere, or don't they, or London Lowball, or any of the other variants that I know you've they, played uh, over there? I, I have seen um, other games played, things like, but usually some the the, uh, the more obscure games, I, well, I say obscure, but games like Gin Rummy I've seen played there, uh, Badoogie, things like that, but I've, I've never actually seen any Stud games played uh Okay. Uh, in, in Ireland. Not much at all around Europe, to be fair. Okay, well, not much around the United States, except for a couple of holdouts like Foxwoods, which is my home casino, and the Taj in Atlantic City. It's uh, pretty much either very, very low limit or non-existent. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, I think that covers Ireland. If people are traveling or thinking of going to Ireland, I, what I'm hearing you say, Barry, is that the poker scene is alive and well and widespread it's, and as little it's, regulated it's as anywhere in the world. Play in Europe by far. Oh, it's, well, there you go. Yeah, I'm going to tell my wife amazing. when I go home tonight we're planning a trip to Ireland, if for no other reason than so that I can indulge my habit. Um, tell me about poker in England, I, I, in the UK. I, I'll just give you a quick summary of my experiences, which are quite small. I was in London about five years ago. I had to sign up in advance, 24 hours in advance, to become a member of the VIC if I wanted to play poker there, which is what I did. I stayed in Paddington Station area. I rented an apartment with my family. I went down a few nights to the VIC, found that they had pot limit with relatively modest buy-ins, anywhere from 50 to 500 based on the game. They had stud. They had... Omaha High, and they had Hold'em. I had to wear a jacket. I had to dress smart casual, which we didn't talk about in Ireland, if there's any dress code. But I've heard that since I've been there, since five years ago, 2003, there are many other venues in London and many others around the country. Can you update me and our listeners? What is the poker scene like in Britain today? It's, it's changed dramatically. It's exploded. It's um, It probably mirrors uh, the scene you have over in, in Vegas and other parts of the States much more these days. There's never a dress code. Uh, most, most of the uh, clientele are kind of young kids these days with, uh, you know, running shoes and things like that. So there's never a dress code. You don't have to sign up 24 hours in advance anymore. Some of the casino laws have been relaxed. And uh, it's not just London anymore. Um, any, every major city and even some small ones in the UK have a, a casino with... Uh, regular cash games, regular uh, tournaments. In fact, we've got um, we've got a couple of UK tours, um, like uh, kind of uh, UK specific versions of like the World Poker Tour. You know, it's a uh, that go up and down the country with pr- pretty reasonably sized buy-in tournaments. So it's it's exploded. I think with the uh, the onset of like online poker and TV poker, it's it was just it just naturally is uh, it's part of all the UK. Uh, culture now it's it's very very popular and it's pretty much a no limit scene or do they still have the remnants of the old games that they used to play it's it's 95 percent no limit there is pot limit omaha um not as much as some of us would like but if you if you go into a casino and there's 10 tables running nine of them will be guaranteed no limit and occasionally some will be uh pot limit omaha uh we we are seeing some other variants i mean some of some of these festivals in the UK are now having horse events. Where horse, just for our listeners, a, that's Hold'em, Omaha, Raz, Stud, Eight or Better. Yeah. In yeah. rotation. Okay. Re- recently, uh, we've seen a few stud events popping up 
uh, here and there, but they are still in the, the minority at the moment. Then a, a couple of questions about that, just to, again, be thorough. If I'm planning a trip over to London or to some other part of the country, can you recommend a site that can quickly identify for me where the poker rooms are, what their addresses are, or anything that would help me find a game if I'm traveling up to Leeds or going through the countryside where I might find a game, since I wouldn't know yeah, anybody? Sure. sure. Um, the, the, I presume you're would probably be quite familiar with the Hendon Mob website anyway, because it's uh, kind of a worldwide poll. I know but about the Hendon, Hendon Mob. I know they have a website. I didn't know what they had on it. So HendonMob.com? Yep. And uh, for some of the um, uh, smaller card rooms, and particularly for the card rooms just outside of London, there's an excellent web resource called BlondePoker.com. Blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E. That's right, yep. Poker.com. That's right. We'll put these on our website, which is houseofcardsradio.com, blondepoker.com, and hendonmob.com if people are traveling overseas. Um, And then are there any rooms that are known, like the Bellagio in Las Vegas or the Borgata in Atlantic City or the Commerce in L.A. that are particularly large or opulent or places where if you're going to go just one or two places, you got to go there? Yeah. If if you don't mind taking a trip outside of uh, London, there is an absolutely amazing venue that opened up last year called Dustal Dawn, which is in Nottingham, which is uh, the centre of England. The full... How do you spell that? Uh, uh, D-U-S-K space T-I-L-L space D-A-W-N. I'm sorry. I'm not understanding this. My producer may be... The dust... What? Sorry. From Dustal Dawn. Fro, <laughs> from you know, you know the George Clooney. Uh, four Clooney words from name. dusk till dawn. Yeah, yeah. From dusk till dawn. Okay, yeah. that's a and bi- that's, uh, big room that's in Nottingham. In Nottingham, and it's um, it's uh, the, the, it opened last year. They actually tried to open it about three years ago, but there were some s- severe uh, planning issues. Other casinos were trying to stop it from being opened, and it's the only poker-only venue in the UK and Europe. It's fully licensed. It's one of the only licensed poker-only venues, and they have something in the region of 99 tables. Um, pretty much any game you could imagine. If, if, you, if you, for example, if you wanted to start a stud game, if there were enough people in the room that also would have one, you'd, you'd easily get a stud game. But there's lots of big how many tables? games, lots of big uh, no-limit cash games, and there's a tournament every night. Well, Barry, how many tables do they have? I think it's I, I think it's about ninety nine or a hundred. They, they are they do have a they do have a capacity for three hundred players in in one go, and it's nine handed tables, which is normally everyone goes for ten handed tables. But they have some short handed tables. Um, it's excellent. Well, that's fascinating. Now, one final question, and then we're going to go to a commercial break. And I've sure. been fascinating talking to you. And if you ever come to Massachusetts or New York. Or Las Vegas, please drop me a line. Maybe we can meet up and play. I'd like to meet you, if only to uh, exchange uh, a handshake. But if I were to come to London, or I think you said you were in um, Sheffield, how would I look you up? Where would you be playing? Or don't you generally hang out in any poker room in particular? Uh, Well, well, Dust Till Dawn is the one that I uh, I frequent more than anything, uh, just because it's, it's only about 40 miles away from where I live. Uh, but also um, the card rooms are particularly like I do like the Vic, as you mentioned. That's changed quite a lot in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we have a chain of casinos up and down the country, country called the Grosvenor Casinos. Yes. Which we, um, they, they host a, a massive tour that goes up and down the country in, in the poker events, and I, I play in those. I see. Well, are you planning to come out for this year's World Series of Poker? I am, yes. It's uh, it's. It clashes with my girlfriend's birthday, but this year I've managed to persuade her to come. And uh, Well, I was online yesterday. I didn't even see that they had the schedule yet. No, no, no. They, they, they usually had it, have it out before the start of the year, but I haven't, I haven't seen anything. I mean, I know, I know they're talking about changing it dramatically this year, so maybe uh, they're sort of locked in a room arguing over it at the moment. Maybe they'll have the first day in March, uh, the second day of the tournament in May, the third and fourth day in June, like that. Delay right? the final table. <laughs> it was such months, a success. Yeah. Well, Barry, it's been very good to talk to you. I'd love to have you come back. I'd love to meet with you. Maybe we can work something out when you come to the States or when I go oh, over sure. to I'll Ireland or to England. Again, that was uh, Barry Carter. 
Thank you for joining us. We're going to take a commercial break, and then we'll be back with Adam Bond. Hi, everyone. This is Ashley Adams from House of Cards, and I want to talk to you about Phantom EFX, the world's number one developer and publisher of casino games for your PC. Whether you want slots, card games, or casino games, Phantom EFX has something for you. If you are looking for a deeper experience, you should check out Phantom EFX's newest innovative casino game, Real Deal Live Online. Create a custom avatar, immerse yourself in their virtual world online casino, and become a renowned gambling tycoon. Just go to phantomefx.com for all the details and a free trial. That's right. Phantom EFX is letting you play the game for free, and no real money is ever wagered in any Phantom EFX game, so there's nothing to lose. If you have questions about their products, log on to the website and head to the forums where Phantom EFX takes great pride in answering questions, chatting, and just having fun. Let Phantom EFX take care of all your casino game needs when you can't get out to Las Vegas. Having trouble deciding where to go for great food? Looking for a place to go to catch the game? Enjoy some live entertainment or just for a night out with friends or someone special? Head on over to the Jury Room. Featured on the Phantom Gourmet, the Jury Room's large menu offers customers a wide variety of food from pizzas and wings to entrees like New York steak and blackened salmon. The bar features large flat-screen televisions, live entertainment nightly, and the best selection of beer and scotch on the South Shore. The Jury Room Bar and Grill, located at 39 Cottage Avenue in Quincy Center, across the street from the Quincy Courthouse, is open Monday through Saturday from 11.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. for lunch and dinner. Go to thejuryroom.us or call 617-328-7234 for more information. Mention this ad and receive 50% off any appetizer. The Jury Room, Quincy's hottest restaurant and bar. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to AdamEve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. AdamEve.com features over 18,000 adult entertainment products, toys as low as $6.95, tantalizing lingerie, and over 350 movies starting at just $4.95. You'll find all the biggest stars like Jenna Jameson, Carmen Luvana, and even Tara Patrick. Imagine all those sensual ideas right at your fingertips. AdamEve.com's 10 million customers swear by our product quality, fast and discreet shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Check out AdamEve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type SPANK for the offer code upon checkout. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, we'll throw in a free gift. Get 50% off with offer code SPANK at AdamEve.com. This is House of Cards Radio with Ashley Adams. Now, I do some other stuff, but poker, that's the thing I do best. Welcome back, listeners. It's Ashley Adams, House of Cards Radio, and I am joined by the chairman of the Board of Selectmen of the town of Middleborough, Adam Bond. Adam is going to talk with us about the situation down there. But before I even introduce him, I just want to preface this all by saying that, of course, this is important to all of the listeners in Massachusetts, but also, especially as our economies fluctuate and a lot of places that maybe haven't been looking to new sources of revenue start to look toward new sources of revenue, I think this is an issue that's going to affect many, many communities. Adam, are you there? I am here. Okay, let's and get... thank you for having me. Well, you know, I think this is a very important issue, not just to poker players, although certainly to us. I don't think we consider our own interests enough, and I do want to get into the specifics of poker. But it's also important to listeners who are concerned, confused, uninformed, over-informed about the issue of casino gambling, gambling in general. And let me start with a basic question for you maybe more basic even than the question of casino gambling, which is why, in your view, is gambling, 
even illegal at all. We have so much of it around now. We have a state lottery. We have instant kino. We have scratch tickets. We have racetracks. We have all this stuff. Why isn't it just legal? Explain to us the status of legality and illegality when it comes to gaming and gambling. I, I, I don't understand why it is, except in certain circumstances. But, you know, you, you go back to, what was it, Thomas Jefferson, I think uh, I think it was, who funded um, his lack of money through through starting a lottery. I the mean, U.S. The founding fathers right. were out there doing that. That's right. They drew lots in the Bible. It's biblical. I mean, they drew lots to decide and who would get what and who would go where. They gambled over the, uh, what was it, the crown and the robe That's of, right. uh, of the Messiah. That's right. I mean, it's, uh, look, I think there need to be, with gambling, I think there need to be regulations so you don't go back to the days of the rigged cables and the rigged games. Yes. But, you know, not too much regulation because at some point you kill the spirit of the game. Yes, I understand that. And I also understand why it would be that in any community where there is any significant construction project of any business, there would be an understandable review process for environmental reasons, traffic reasons, yep. crime. I mean, if you're building a Walmart, that's a very significant change from having just an empty plot of land. But what I don't get is why, and you, you've had firsthand experience with this, and I went online and I checked you out, and I know you've had a lot of firsthand experience with this. <laughs> why do people get so exercised over the fact that there's gambling going on? What is at the core, do you think? And I don't mean to be sarcastic or to dismiss people's concerns um, arrogantly. I really would like to hear from you what you think is at the core of people's hostility toward a gambling entity as opposed to any other large business that may want to be cited in a relatively small community. What's your thought on that? One, I think they believe they believe that their standard of life, their quality of life will be reduced through traffic, through drunkenness, through crime, um, through a whole number of things that a number of uh, studies have said either go up or go down or go left or go right or go sideways, depending on which ones you read and who, who wrote them. Right. Um, I mean, you're a gambler. You understand statistics. You actually use them probably when you play. But most of the time when people are using statistics to make arguments, they fudge them. They move them. Well, what did uh, Mark Twain say? Uh, Figures never lie, but liars always figure. Yeah, there you go. But part of the concept, I think, that you have is a fear of the unknown. I mean, look, I'm not a big casino gambler. I've been to Atlantic City. Atlantic City to me was depressing, but I went out to the Barona in California, and that wasn't depressing at all. That was actually kind of a nice little place with a golf course, and it's a resort. I mean, I, I happen to like the resort style. It's kind of neat. But the, you know, I think a lot of it is fear of the unknown. If you're coming to a small town like Middleborough, which is mostly farmland and open space and, and 22,000 people spread over 70 square miles, there's a fear of what's going to happen if you put in a 21-story behemoth. Yes, in but, this town, and they're they're gambling in it. Oh my gosh, they're gambling in it. Lottery well, tickets are fine. <laughs> that's what I want to get at, Adam, because you you've hit on something that I don't quite get, and um, I'd be interested if people have thoughts and they want to email us on uh, info at houseofcardsradio dot com. I'd be very interested in reading that their opinions. But if I am citing a Home Depot in a town, I will get some opposition, and there will be hearings, but it's not with the depth and the passion and the virulence of the opposition that I've been reading about among the, those who oppose casino gambling in Middleborough, is it a religious matter? Is it an ethical issue? I mean, unknown. We don't know what happens when a lot of things occur, but I don't well, see... I, I, I can be blunt with you as to, to Middleborough itself. Be blunt. As to the rest of the country, I can't tell you. I think the bluntness um, from the Middleborough process is that, that a lot of people saw a push towards the casino as being a result of a fear of the inevitability of the land going into trust and the tribe getting the land. And there are many people out there that didn't believe in the inevitability of it. And they believe, either for religious reasons or other reasons, that casinos bring crime and and, and drunkenness and, and lots of traffic, that what their frustration was, was they didn't feel they had enough to, to be able, they didn't have enough time to say what they wanted to say. They were shut down because there was an overwhelming 
support for this thing, and I think the opposition got enervated and fired up because they were the underdog. I see. And the only thing that you can do to compensate to, to compensate for having few numbers is be louder. I see. So the... does, does that make sense? I mean, it's 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 just a feel that I get from from being in the town and watching it. I'm not saying that there aren't. Look, I look at this thing as it's like any other business venture. It pays taxes, or this one is kind of different because it's a sovereign nation, but it will generate peripheral business. It will generate jobs. Okay. In terms of what goes on inside, people talk about, for example. Um, they talk about the addictiveness of gambling. Well, right now, those same people that are in Massachusetts going off to Connecticut, if they're addicted, they're coming home and we're taking care of them, getting none of the money. That's true. We're, we're, we're paying for them anyway. So put one, I mean, but you're worried about addictiveness, yet you don't go out there and scream about the keynote to go, the keynote, the lottery tickets, and all those things that are such a, a fast, quick fix for the gambler that are probably higher in an addictiveness rating than sitting down. You, you got to get up. You got to go to a casino. You got to sit down at a table. You got to pull out your money and you've got to play for a while. That takes some commitment. <laughs> That's right. That's it's not right. as easy as walking around the corner and simply grabbing. You know, I've, I've stood behind guys that are grabbing two hundred and fifty, three hundred dollars worth of scratch tickets, who clearly, if you look at them, can't afford to buy them. Do you think that those people who are opposing the casino? being cited in Middleborough and opposing the tribe are also opposed to any casino, any gambling at all, but they just have accepted the fact that, well, we got to live with some of it, but by gosh, I'm going to stop any more of it. Or do you think it's not really a gambling issue as it mu- as much as it is a circumstantial issue? It's, it's, it's a bunch of different things. There are a contingent of people out here that for religious reasons, disagree with the casino and it's a moral ground and that's it you're not going to convince them otherwise there are a handful of people out here or a larger handful of people out here that don't believe the deal that we have is sweet enough and therefore they oppose the casino on those grounds and then there's another another number of people that believe the casino should be opposed because the state should run the casino and i'm sorry i i just think all those all that patronage um and the regulatory commission that they set up with um, $100,000 a year jobs would just sap any value to the state of a commercial casino. But that's that's my view. Okay, well, let's get to your view. And I imagine okay. that there are others who share it in Middleborough, which is why there have been some there's been some progress made, although it, we don't have a casino there yet. Nope. You've looked at both sides. You've thought about things. People may accuse you of being hasty or being short-sighted or being opinionated, but... Ultimately, you're a rational person. You've looked at all the things. Where do you come down on casinos in Middleborough and in Massachusetts in general, and why do you come down in that way? Okay, quite frankly, I think that having casinos here is not a bad concept. I don't have any moral objection to gambling. Um, if people want to do it, I'm going to do it. Um, I think that the way it should be set up, I don't have a problem with an Indian casino or a tribal casino in Middleborough. Um, but I think ultimately, if the state wants to make the most of this, what they should do is set up regional, um, set up regions, and have maybe three casinos in this state, maybe two of them commercial and one of them uh, tribal. But I think that the state needs to come up with a plan to do it. And the plans that I've seen so far are hasty. I mean, you've got you've got the the, the Pike Authority that wants to go out there and bail itself out. It's got two pieces of property it wants to offer up for casinos. You've got Deval Patrick last year pushing a casino plan, which was too quick, and it wasn't well thought out in terms of how he was going to deal with the Macy. Um, You've got all kinds of people out there coming up with very quick plans for how to put these things in, when I think if you do it the right way and you take the time to figure out how big your zone needs to be, where the best marketability of one of these things will be, you can make some money for the state. And quite frankly, the state could use it. And it's just another form of entertainment. It really, it, it really. I mean, if you're worried about drunken drivers, shut down bars. Let's go dry. If you're worried about addiction, take coffee off the shelf. <laughs> it's. I'm not seeing rational arguments as to why to stop gambling. And what I'm not seeing from the state is a logical way in which to place casinos in the state. 
So I don't have a problem with the state having casinos, and in fact, I think there's clearly a market for it. And it should be done. But I think, you know, people need to think it out better. Well, I, I, let me see if I can just summarize what you've said, and then I have a couple of follow-up questions about this that are pretty pointed. First of all, in your view, and I would also say just truth and advertising in my view as well, gambling makes sense in a somewhat limited, regulated, planned, taxed, careful way. That is part of an overall plan, not just done uh, all over the place at one time. Um And if that were the case, what do you think, and this is now speculation, I understand, what do you think the impact will be on the plans for casino gambling uh, of the economic catastrophe that we're in? Do you think this is something that is going to urge it forward, that will cause it to stall even further, that will end up depleting any casinos of any profit they may have for quite some time? What, What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I think the economic circumstance right now is going to end up causing the 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 profit lines to go down. That by no means means there's no profit. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I keep hearing people talking about, oh my lord, casinos—they're losing money. They're not losing money; they're making less. And I have never seen a chart of profits and losses ever go in a straight line up forever. Right. So you're going to reach a point of diminishing returns. That's what. The state needs to do in deciding where to cite these things and how to work them. They gotta get, they gotta figure out what that point is. In terms of building casinos, I don't know. You might find the labor cheaper at this point. Um, you, you, you're building for the future. I mean, if the if the tribal casino comes in here, you're talking two, two and a half years out before the doors open. So I don't know what the economic climate will be at that point. I think right now the economic climate's not great. People are being very tight on their money. People are being very tight. Um, in the retail markets, they're all moving towards the resale markets in terms of, of finding things to buy. Maybe if you have casinos nearby, instead of going on the vacation, people will spend their money there and revenues will go up. I don't know. Right. But I'm not very positive. Um, I'm, I'm not very um, optimistic that in, in the next couple of years or next couple of five years that you're going to be seeing you know revenues going up in the gambling arena. Let me ask you to play prognosticator now and in the process update our listeners on just where we're at, if you know, uh, on the question of building the casinos, licensing the casinos, getting the legislature to approve any plan. Where are we in the process? And then if you can add a prediction for where you think we'll be a year and two years down the road. All right. In the process, where we are is BIA is processing the um, the application for the casino in Middleborough. What that's is where they're, that's what they're doing right now. We're waiting on the feds. Okay. The feds could, anywhere within a couple of months to six months, make a decision on that, put the land into trust, at which point I suspect shovels will start to turn, um, assuming that, you know, Len Wallman and Saul Kersner decide that's what they're going to do. Who in are terms they? Of, Who are those guys? Who is, uh, Waldman and Kirsner, who is Waldman and Kersner? I just don't uh, know. Waldman and Kersner are two South African investors um, that are backing the um, the tribal casino here. It's it's Herb Strather who was an investor. He incubated the deal. The deal got incubated, got pushed forward towards BIA, uh, the Bureau of Indian Affairs. And when this is all done, my understanding is that um, that uh, Len Waldman and Saul Kersner, who are billionaires from South Africa, or at least one of them is Saul Kersner, is. Um, will come in and then build um, the casino. I think Saul Kersner built um, Atlantis, is it? Oh, the Atlantis in Reno or Atlantis in the Bahamas? Atlantis in the Bahamas. Ah, okay. I've been I, think he's, I, I think he's the builder and owner of that. Um, so he doesn't build things that are schlocky. <laughs> he builds <laughs> real, real good quality things. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, and probably if, if the BIA decided this year within the next few months, I figured you'd see within two years you'd see a casino standing up there. All right. Well, that sounds reasonable. Now, this is all separate from the statewide plan, because this is, at least to some degree, autonomous Indian property. So they have, assuming they can get some kind of an agreement with Middleborough, they have pretty much the ability to do this, whether or not Deval Patrick and the legislature agree on an overall statewide plan. Is that right? Untrue. Okay, please correct me. 
Um, what what you need to have is ultimately you need to have a, uh, a compact between the tribe and the state. Ah, of course. And the compact is for for whether or not you're going to get class three gaming. And class three gaming, the real the real key to class three gaming is the slots, not the bingo machines, the slots. The if there's an argument right now whether or not um, because Vegas nights are permitted in Massachusetts that allow some types of Class 3 gaming, whether or not that would entitle right out of the gate the tribe to have Class 3 gaming. The circuit courts around the country have differed whether if you allow one type of Class 3, therefore you're entitled to all, or whether you have to allow each individual type to be entitled to each individual type. So there could be a fight on that, but it seems to me that if Deval Patrick is trying to fill in a multi-billion dollar hole in his budget, um, you know, a, a few hundred million dollars from a casino is probably not going to be a bad thing. The other thing is that the feds, and most people don't realize this, these casinos pay federal taxes. The fed is hurting for money, too, and they'd probably like to see more casinos open so that they can generate some more income for themselves. So this would require, then, to explicitly allow Class Three gaming would mean that they couldn't just wait for some court to decide, well, if you allow some Class Three, you've got to allow all. There'd have to be legislation to make it explicit. Is that what you're suggesting? Well, I'm not sure whether or not the compact, which is the, which is the agreement between the state and the tribe, I'm not sure whether the compact can be accepted by the governor alone or whether he must have legislative approval for it, because I believe there are arguments over that all around the country. I see. One of the things, one of the things that's fascinating about this is that the BIA, even though in its regulation says that it can force a state to negotiate and come to an agreement in good faith with the tribe, you've got uh, U.S. versus Texas or the Kickapoo tribe case in the Fifth Circuit that says those regulations are unconstitutional and it violates the Eleventh Amendment rights of the state. Mm-hmm. So you've got even a question as to whether or not the BIA's regulations that say they can force a state into a compact, whether or not that's true. So the state could conceivably sit there, fold its arms, and wait, let them open up a bingo parlor instead of a slot machine parlor, and try and go in there and do commercial casinos, which I think is what Deval has in mind, which is to ramp up the commercial casino concept in order to have a better negotiation or bargaining position with whatever percentage he's going to compact with the tribe for. So let me see if I got this right. (laughs) Right now, under Massachusetts law, there is the provision for, under a bizarre and raffle license, you can run Las Vegas nights or do other kinds of quasi-casino gaming with great limits, I mean, really de minimal, minimal limits on the amount of money that can be wagered, the prizes that can be offered, and all of that. And that's, okay. what, right, that's what you have now under the raffle and gaming license, no cash prizes of larger than $25, and they have to be set in advance, etc. And if the tribal casino wanted to operate under those limits, it would not be full Class Three gaming, but they might theoretically be able to. But as a practical matter, if you want to have one of those big destination casinos, that's not going to happen unless it is clear in a compact or as a matter of law that's already been drafted or something, they're given Class Three, which means the slots for all intents and purposes. Yeah, correct, because the, the money's in the slots. That's where the drop is. Okay. And that's where you get your cash out. Well, then... And- I had, a, I had a follow-up question. What would stop the state from saying, and I, I realize this may not be an appealing alternative, but what would st- stop the state from saying, you know what, we are not ready to sign a compact for Class Three gaming, but we are ready for some half measures, kind of like they've done in New Hampshire. They have poker rooms at all of the tracks Uh, that produce some revenue for the state and some charity revenue. We're willing to try out, or the way they have it in Florida, where they had, until very recently, no slots were allowed, $5 limits on the bets, stuff like that. What would stop the state from taking a half measure? Anything? Well, um, two billionaires with lots of money for lawyers. Who would say, look, if you're going to do it, do a full measure. Don't go half Well, I mean, what you'd end up with is you'd end up either with a legal fight or you're going to end up with a resolution. And and that's that's really going to be – this is now in your province. You play poker. Yes. <laughs> I mean, either somebody's going to call the bluff or they're not. And I think that, that what you have right now is everybody jockeying for position. The tribe wants to get its land into trust. Once it gets its land into trust, it has an absolute right to put in the bingo hall, begin generating money, and not paying the state a dime. 
The state doesn't want that. The only way the state can get any leverage is by going out there and setting up a, a commercial casino concept around the state, selling their, their, their permits and all that kind of stuff, so that they can then negotiate with the tribe as to exclusivity. Exclusivity is the key to getting the most money for the state out of a compact. So they can say, we're going to set all this up. I have legislative approval, but what I can do for you to get more money out of you is I can give you an exclusive area within which I will not put another casino. Ah. For that, I want a higher percentage of your net gain. So it's what I understand now is this is kind of like a very big, expensive game of chicken. If or poker. Or poker. But really, I mean, the state is saying, could say, we may go forward without the Indians, without Mashpee tribe, the Wampanoags or anybody else, and just by legislation allow for casinos, regular state-run casinos like they have in Nevada or yeah, anywhere yeah. else. And you then, got it. And, but then the... Wampanoags and other tribes, presumably, that have the, you know, the proper qualifications may say, you know what, state, you don't give us a compact that we like. We may just open up our own bingo hall within the current law, the current regs. We don't need any special compact with you. We're going to open up a bingo hall and you'll get Zippo. So is that where the both sides are right now? Well, they, they say they're not and they say they're cooperating. Okay. But the big stick that the tribe wields is... If I get my land into trust, I can do class two. I see. And I can make lots of money and not pay you a thing. And you've got the state on the other hand saying, although they haven't shown their willingness to do so with the Macy in charge, um, you've got the state saying, hey, we're going to set up commercial casinos before you ever start. And we're going to start making money and we're going to eat your market away. Right. So let's get into a bargain. Let's get into a discussion and a negotiation. And that's, you're right, it's a big game of chicken between two Mack trucks. <laughs> right. Very interesting. Well, do you have a political future in Middleborough? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not after the last couple of days, but uh, I've been in for four and a half years, and i got a year and a half left if nobody throws me out. Adam, is this your full-time gig, or do you, are you an attorney on the side? Or uh, you... I'm, I'm, I'm. I am attorney. I am an attorney full time, but there are some days where I feel like I'm only an attorney on the side with the number of town issues that come up. Do you play poker? No, I don't play. Po well, I do play poker. I just don't play very well. Well, I'd like to invite you to a game of mine. Then that would be the ideal combination. And I'm not very rich. <laughs> well, Adam, does, you've been a wonderful does guest. Me, does that kill the invitation? <laughs> no, I, I, look, I don't mind taking small amounts of money off you. That's perfectly fine. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, you've been an excellent guest. You've informed me on a lot of the niceties that I didn't know about the situation, a lot of the specifics I didn't understand. And what I'd like to do is, if you're willing, I'd like to have you come back on as things change, which I hope they will relatively soon. Would you be willing to come back on? I have never said no to anybody who asked politely, and that was very polite, and I would. Well, very good. That's Adam Bond. We're going to be back after a commercial break with the Phantom EFX Mailbag. Hey there, folks. Aaron Sherman here, CEO of Phantom EFX. We make the number one slot and casino games for your PC. Number one. Now, how great would it be to hit the tables or slots this weekend in Las Vegas? Can't afford it? Or even if you can, you got to try our games. Now, I know you may be thinking, ooh, a slot game or ooh, a casino game. How real can it be? But you have no idea how real the experience is until you play these games. Whether you want slots, cards, or casino games, we've got it all. And trust me, it's as real as it gets. That's why we're number one, baby. You just have to check out our new games led by Real Deal Slots Blackbeard's Revenge. I'm telling you guys, this game is the ultimate slot experience. It's already number one in its category and it's been made by guys that love slot machines. We also have our brand new casino and card game titles. You can check them out in stores or at PhantomEFX.com. You never have to wager anything on a Phantom EFX game. you got to check out all these great games and all of our other great products at PhantomEFX.com. Ooh, another jackpot! I got another jackpot! Woohoo! Hey, you serious about poker? Then winning 7-Card Stud by Ashley Adams is a must-have for stud players of all levels. In winning 7-Card Stud, the World Series of Poker Veteran takes you through a series of lessons and strategies designed to make you a better player in all phases of your game. 
the techniques of betting, what cards to play, how to read the other players, the art of bluffing. You'll learn to master them all. Winning Seven Card Stud by professional poker player Ashley Adams. Available at Amazon.com. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to AdamEve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. AdamEve.com features over 18,000 adult entertainment products, toys as low as $6.95, tantalizing lingerie, and over 350 movies starting at just $4.95. You'll find all the biggest stars like Jenna Jameson, Carmen Luvana, and even Tara Patrick. Imagine all those sensual ideas right at your fingertips. AdamEve.com's 10 million customers swear by our product quality, fast and discreet shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Check out AdamEve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type SPANK for the offer code upon checkout. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, we'll throw in a free gift. Get 50% off with offer code SPANK at AdamEve.com. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to uh, mention something, that if any of you have any poker questions that you would like to ask me, they could be strategy questions, they could be practical questions about where and how to find a game, um, it could be a question of uh, you, you're coming to Boston and you want to play, we have a uh, an internet site that you can go to, an address that you can go to, pose your question, and if we use it on the air, you will get a free copy of my book, Winning Low Limit, No Limit, Texas Hold'em. So the site or the address is info, that's I-N-F-O, at houseofcardsradio.com. Info at houseofcardsradio.com. Send me your question or questions. And again, if we use it on the air, you will have won a free book. And also, if you want, we'll use your name and uh, you'll have instant fame in the poker world. Great Moments in History In 481 B.C., the defeat of the Spartans at the Battle of Thermopylae. As long as Xerxes doesn't find the secret path to the hot gates. Boy, is it, boy. Xerxes has found the secret goat path to the hot gates. Ah, shit! In June 2008, House of Cards began podcasting. Go to HouseOfCardsRadio.com and click on the podcast button for all recent show downloads. People are making a habit of coming to Bad Abbots in downtown Quincy. Home of good food, a good pint, and all your favorite sports on live TV. Like soccer from the Premier League and Glasgow Celtic. Irish hurling, football, and international rugby. Enjoy breakfast, lunch, or dinner in our restaurant or bar. Bad Abbots has live music Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with lots of parking. For good food or the best pint around, it's Bad Abbots at 1546 Hancock Street in Quincy. On the web at badabbots.com. Get in the habit at Bad you're listening to the house of cards join us online at houseofcardsradio.com i can't believe i'm in a hand with tex brunson the name's doyle not tex doyle what seriously doyle yes serious well that's a tell that's probably a tell no it's a tell when you don't know who doyle brunson is Welcome back, listeners. It's Ashley Adams and House of Cards. We now have my favorite f- part of the show, which is the Phantom EFX mailbag. Phantom EFX is the world's number one casino genre PC game publisher. And we have uh, Dave Weishattel in the studio right now. Dave, you have a question from the mailbag. I do. And this one's from the L.A. Kid, not sure, from California or Louisiana. So uh, the Oh, the L.A. LA kid. kid. Not he, He's not the kid not sure. You We're not sure if L.A. stands, LA stands for, for California or uh, Louisiana. Okay. So well, uh, wherever he's from, this <laughs> is for you. Here's his question. The last time I played at a casino, I was in four seat and could not see the guy two seats to my left. During this session, when the seat in between us was open, I could read him like a book. When someone took this seat, I couldn't see him and played much worse against him. Is there an optimal place at the table I should try to move to if a seat is open, or should I lean in and ask the guy between us to sit back? Uh, oh, okay. Well, there is an optimal seat at the table, I find, in general. Of course, everything depends in poker, or almost everything depends. As far as not being able to see... 
I think that's a relatively small concern. I mean, generally, you can position yourself or lean around somebody to see the people you want to see. I would not be as concerned about that as this player seems to be. The bigger concern I would have would be where you are sitting relative to two types of players. You generally want to sit to the left of somebody who raises a lot, and you generally want to sit to the left of somebody who has a very large stack. The reason you want to do that is twofold. The reason you want to sit to the left of the very aggressive player is because knowing that he tends to raise when he has a fairly decent hand or better, you want to know what he is going to do before you decide whether to act. So that if he has folded, let's say, then you know he can't raise after you. If he's called, you know he can't raise after you. Well, if you are sitting to his right after you act, then you have to be concerned that he's going to then raise and make it more expensive to you on those hands that you frankly would not have played if you had known that the bet would be raised. As far as the player with the large stack, this is a concept that Mike Caro addresses in many of his texts, and he says that if you were to view a poker table from a blimp, like you see football games from on top, and you had time-lapse photography, you would see that the stacks tend to move around the table like the poker action. And that's because poker moves from right to left. It moves clockwise around the table. And you want to be positioned to have first action after the guy with the large stack, assuming he's a relatively loose player, puts his money in because you want to isolate him to give yourself first crack at raising the pot to discourage other people from coming in so you can go heads up with him when you have what you judge to be a better than average hand or better than his hand is. Those are the rules that generally govern where I sit down not knowing anything else. And I don't worry so much about who I'm looking at. Let me ask you something. If a seat opens up, what's the etiquette on moving? I mean, do you have well, to ask permission from casinos? Everyone? Casinos have pretty strict rules. First of all, they will seat you initially, and they will tell you which seat to take. Then there's usually some kind of a button, a seat change button that you would can request to move around the table when a seat opens up at the table. You don't just move into it. Otherwise, you'd be playing musical chairs with other people that want the same seat. And finally, the floor, the person responsible for filling up those seats, usually has a handwritten list of who wants to move tables so that if a seat opens up at another table where the game is better, if you're on the list, you'd get the seat first. Oh, okay. Okay? Now, we got about three minutes left, I'm being told by my other producer, Doug Weishattle. And in that time, I wanted to address another question that I got from a listener of a general nature, uh, Tony Ryan, who says that he is a relatively low-stakes online player asked me to give some pointers on stud games, and he mentioned specifically stud high-low eight or better because he thought maybe this could get people interested in stud again. So I'm going to start with a very simple concept, and then in every broadcast we do after this, I'll introduce something else. And if any of the listeners have any questions about it or want me to follow up, just send me an email to info at houseofcardsradio.com. Here's the matter. In stud high-low eight or better, Lows, low draws, cards, babes, ace, two, three, four, five, or six, with an ace or a flush draw, meaning all three of the same suit or headed by an ace, are much better to start with than high pairs, even kings. Even though the kings are already a made hand, you already have your pair of kings, and even though the low draw is still only a draw and you may get brick, 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 and end up with only three low cards, or you may get one good card and still end up without a low, Statistically, and you can run this on uh, a number of those simulated poker um, online sites. I'm trying to think of the one that I use all the time. I'll think of it and tell you in the next show. But you will win a lot more money by playing for low, especially with a flush draw or with an ace that can also make a high, than you do playing those high pairs. In fact, unless I know the game pretty well or the players pretty well, I will routinely throw out a pair of nines, tens, jacks, queens, and only play the kings very carefully. Okay, so that's my stud tip of the day. Go for the low, especially the lows that are flushes with an ace or with an ace and a, maybe a straight draw. Don't go with the high pairs. Okay, that is uh, HouseOfCardsRadio.com. We'll be back next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.